Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's made possible in part by contributions from podcast listeners. Please consider making a contribution by going to the Donate Now tab at mpbonline.org. Thanks for your financial support. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio, where each week we talk with creative Mississippians. I'm your host, Maria Zerang, Folk and Traditional Arts Director at the Mississippi Arts Commission. And today I'm talking with woodturner Sammy Long. Sammy is a member of the Mississippi Craftsman's Guild, and he's active in the Magnolia Woodturners Club. He's also a recipient of the Mississippi Arts Commission's Folk Arts Apprenticeship Grant and the Folk Arts Fellowship Grant. Thanks for coming with uh, talk with us today, Sammy. It's so good to have you here. Why don't we just get started? Tell our listeners, you know, what do you do? What is wood turning? Okay. First of all, Maria, thanks for having me here. I'm glad to be a part of this. So thank you very much. Uh, what is wood turning? Wood turning is um, is is a very old tradition. Uh, woodworking using a woodworking tool, the wood lathe, and the wood lathe does nothing but spin the wood. Um, so you mount the, the, the wood on the lathe and then your, your, the tools that you use uh, will create whatever you're trying to work with. So um, the lathe actually just spins the wood and you do the rest of the work from there. Mm. Now do you work with any other tools besides the lathe? Like how do you kind of manipulate the different shapes? Yeah, most of, most everything, most wood turners begin with the chainsaw. So we have to, we harvest our own wood. If, if possible, so we begin with the chainsaw and then take it into the shop and then work with the lathe, maybe the bandsaw, and then to the lathe. So there's several steps to get get anything started. So it's um, it's, it's kind of a long process, but it, uh, there's there's several tools involved. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned the chainsaw and harvesting the wood because I wanted to talk to you about that. I remember the last time we talked, you said that. Uh, you get most of your wood for free, right? You rarely buy your wood. Right. We, the, the, the wood we need for turning a bowl or, or a vase is, is entirely too expensive to buy or hard to find to buy it already processed. So we have to do that ourselves. So in doing that, we, we listen for a chainsaw running somewhere where the city or the county is taking some trees down, and we, um, we go try to harvest everything we can before they take it to the junkyard and burn it. So... That's where we gather our wood from. So all the wood that you work with is mostly, you know, local wood then, right? It's mostly local wood, yes. Wow. Do you have a favorite type of wood that you like to work with? My personal favorite is cherry. Yeah. Everybody has their own, but my personal favorite is cherry. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell us how you got started into wood turning? Wow. Um, I got started into wood turning when my father-in-law gave me a very inexpensive wood lathe. Uh, I think it came from Harbor Freight. So uh, after my father-in-law gave me the lathe, I played with it for maybe a year, and then I, I, I moved up and purchased another lathe that I could get, buy more attachments for. And then after a, a, a few months of that, my wife surprised me with a birth, early birthday present and um, had paid for a week-long class in the Appalachian Center for Craft in Cookville, Tennessee. Uh, so uh, she signed me up for a beginning bowl turning class, and um, after I, I got home from that, and it, it, just, it just took off from there. 
Okay, so you were at that class in Tennessee. Did you have to find a group of wood turners in Mississippi? I'm sorry, did I? Well, after you took that class in Tennessee, did you have to find a group of wood turners in Mississippi? Yes. At the time, I was living in the Delta in in Greenville, and there was not a wood turning club anywhere around there. I didn't even know there was one in the state. And uh, I happened to find out, I did some research, and I found there was one in Hattiesburg at the time. So I drove from Greenville to Hattiesburg uh, every month to to go to a local meeting. That was the only meeting that that we had. So the only wood turning club in the state at the time. So now there's one in Jackson. So there's the one from Hattiesburg has now moved to Jackson. Oh, so that's okay. the one we go to. And that's the Magnolia Wood Turners. That is club. the Magnolia yeah. Wood Turners, yes. Well, you've been involved with them. How long have you been wood turning? You've been wood turning for a I while. I started in 1999, so it's going on 23 years, yeah. And you've been involved with the Magnolia Wood Turners Club, you know, ever since? From pretty much from the first year I started turning, yes. I, when I found out about the club, that was the only place that I could go to learn uh, and correct my mistakes. Uh, the, yeah. the, the, the boo-boos that I was making on a regular basis, I got to go to someone and they help me work that out yeah I wanted you to talk about that because you know every time that we've done stuff together and talked about wood turning the Magnolia Wood Turners Club has always come up you know what do y'all do at meetings you know how did you learn from the other turners and you know just walk us kind of through maybe a club meeting okay a club meeting is going to start out with uh, just a basic uh, reports from what we did the previous meeting any kind of announcements we have and then we usually get a demonstrator from out of town to come in and and do a demonstration for us so it's someone that we probably haven't seen before so we learn a total different technique from what he does different from what we do so it's a you know everybody has their to, to let's say to turn a bowl everybody is going to start and complete a bowl but you may go through it in in different steps so it's good it's good to see another step from someone else so you learn tips from each one yeah and um you know craig killens you did an apprenticeship with craig killens in 2021 2022 and he said that you know you're kind of the guy that everybody looks to in the club now as kind of like a mentor of sorts well do you kind of feel that way no i do not no i do not no no we're all we're all teachers and we're all learning learners so we're always going to club meetings to uh, uh to learn something every time i go i learn something it may be i may learn something not to do but we all learn something every 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 meeting yeah well let's go back to kind of those early days and what were the things that you were making during those early days of learning how to be a turner probably like most early or beginning wood turners we would start out making simple projects like maybe a candle candle holder um little twig pots to hold dry dry flowers and things in or uh, pens you know, writing instruments, um, just just small things that we could do, we could use um, dry wood for that we could purchase or find some dry wood. So you can find the dry wood in smaller smaller sizes, but not the large sizes. Yeah. So that's what probably where we started doing that. And then um, then we all uh, we also began processing our own wood and making our own kills and and drying our own own wood so we can have future wood to work with in the in the future. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about that in terms of like, you know, wet wood versus dry wood and yeah, yeah for our listeners who don't really know 
anything okay. about wood um, turning? If you go to uh, some wood turning catalogs, you're going to have uh, different kinds of wood that you can buy, which is already killed dried, so uh, it's, it's ready for you to work with, and it's not going to warp, it's not going to crack, it, it's, it's going to stay very stable. Uh, the greenwood process, when you, when you cut a tree down, uh, that is right then is green wood. It's wet. It has a lot of water in it, and to to work with that, you have to get the moisture out of the wood before you can use it, so it won't crack and and bust wide open on you. So, uh, normally, if you see a, a cut tree, uh, it's going to start cracking from the inside, work its way out. So you have to remove that that center pith uh, to get that out of the tree and then you can start processing your wood. Okay, and so what do you mean by processing? Just you have to, we cut it up with a chainsaw. That's mm -hmm. where the chainsaw comes in. So we cut it up with the chainsaw and you can seal the end grain, the, end, the two ends of it, and put it on the shelf and let it dry very slow for several years before you can use that piece. Or you can go ahead and rough out a bowl and then uh, leave it fairly thick and then let it let it dry so it that reduces the time down to probably six or eight months so if you go ahead and rough it out while it's green and let it dry and warp and, and move and let mother nature take its course then you can come back and turn it again and it was it's through with its moving so it would be a considered a dry piece of wood and you can finish the product at that time so it's a long process from the time you get started to the time you finish it Either way you either way you go. Yeah, wow, what a commitment. So whenever you have wet wood, you can't really use it right away. You have to wait a year or like you said, whenever you do the rough cut, six to eight months. There's some things that you can make uh, using the green wood and, and completely turn it. Uh, you could do the same thing with a bowl if you wanted your bowl. If it was okay if a bowl warped or moved, or moved around some, you could turn it from start to finish using the green wood. When I turn my hollow forms, my vases, um, they're, used, they're used with green wood. Mm. And I will turn it to the thickness that I want it and leave it at that point. And it warps a little bit, but I carve on mine, as you know, so that's uh, mm. you, you really can't tell that, that there's any movement to it at all. Oh, okay. So whenever you're first starting out, you just have to do these kind of smaller pieces with dry wood because you don't, you know, you have to wait so long to use the wet right, wood, right? Right, right, Yeah. Okay, so when did you kind of start using wet wood? That was later on, in years into your, you know, learning how to be a turner? Probably after about a year, year and a half, I realized that uh, and to make anything any larger than what I was making, like the candlesticks, uh, I was going to have to start processing my own wood. So if I hear a chainsaw, at the, at the time I was really eager and, and if young and eager and I had more wood than I needed to to have in my backyard. But if I heard a chainsaw running, I was taken off down the road to see what was being cut down, if it was something that I could help with and possibly use. So, mm, Yeah. Well, wait, let's talk a little bit about kind of what you're making now. But first, I just want to say a quick announcement to our listeners who are just joining us. You're listening to MPB Think Radio, and this is the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm your host, Maria Zarang, and we're here with woodturner Sammy Long. So, Sammy, you had mentioned kind of the stuff that you're making now, you know, how you it's very intricate. You do a lot of carving those of you listening at home google sammy long get on his website look at his gallery there's these beautiful vases that look like actual leaves and it's made with wood and it's so delicate looking and you wouldn't really guess like this is made with a 
big block of wood that you just kind of carve away. Can you talk about your process making those really intricate pieces? Uh, again, I'm going to start with the chainsaw. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to block out a, uh, a a block of wood, probably uh, seven inches and in, seven inches square, and probably eight or nine inches long. I'm going to put it on my lathe, and the lathe is actually just spinning that block of wood, so I'm going to turn it to the shape that I would like to have. And then I'm going to hollow the inside out to a certain wall thickness, the same wall thickness all the way through, which prevents the cracking. Uh, if it's thicker on one end than it is the other end, you're going to get some, it stresses the wood, and it's going to begin to crack, and you've lost your work, your, your piece. So uh, turn it to the same wall thickness, and then I put it on the shelf and let it dry for a period of a couple of, couple of months, and then I'm ready to begin carving on it. Mm. So then you must be kind of working on multiple projects at once, right? If, that's, that, that's, yeah. that's right, yes. Yeah. Yes. And are you kind of... Were you inspired by nature? Is that something that's typical of woodturners to kind of, you know, make leaves and that kind of thing? Or was that something that you started to do on your own, those leaf faces that you make? Uh, after going to Appalachian Center for Craft for several different classes, there was a, uh, a lady by the name of Dixie Biggs that is a woodturner and a wonderful carver. She had a class, and I signed up for her class. And uh, she carves leaves. And... I just took it from there and, and <clears throat> excuse me, and moved from one step to just a little bit different than what she does and just moved on to, to what I'm doing now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that's great. Uh, do any of the other turners in the Magnolia Wood Turners Club, do they do similar things as well? Have people kind of um, been influenced by you? Have you noticed that? I think, yeah, they have. Uh, I've, I've taken classes. I, I give classes from my, from my studio at home. And some of the guys in the club, in fact, we just finished one last month. Um, six or seven guys have uh, have started carving yeah. a little bit and, and putting some of that on the lids of their boxes or on the, on the edge of the sides of the bowls. Or Yeah, so they're, 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 they're moving on with that a little bit at a time, yeah. yeah. Just a few. Um, it takes a special kind of patience to do that because it's um, very, very time consuming. This is Larry Morrissey. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show is broadcast on MPB's statewide radio network on Sundays at 5 p.m. For access to all our past shows, please subscribe to the Arts Hour on your favorite podcasting app. What is Chalkboard Chat? It's an MPB education podcast. It's a variety show providing information and resources for teachers, students, parents, guardians, and everyday people on various topics. It's learning something new with every publication. Chalkboard Chat. Find the podcast or listen from chalkboardchat.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. All right, and we're back. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Maria Zerang, Folk and Traditional Arts Director at the Mississippi Arts Commission. And today I am talking with woodturner Sammy Long. So before the break, we were talking about your early days and how to kind of 
make these pieces, how to turn the wood and the type of wood you use. But one thing that I'm interested in is you started this when you were working full time. You're also a family man. And how did you juggle learning a new craft with raising kids and working full time? How did you do it? That was a that was a tough job at times. Um, <clears throat> when I would get off of work, I I was fortunate enough to be able to get off of work at three thirty every day, so I had plenty of daylight left. And uh, my wife was a high school principal, so she stayed at school a good bit, and I was at home by myself, uh, you know, till everybody got home. So I had a long period of time in the afternoons, and I was beginning to get bored. So I started doing wood flat woodworking and then that's when my father-in-law gave me the lathe that I just took off with that so it gave me I had plenty of time in the afternoon before everyone else got home uh, to to play with this and I did this pretty much every day if I possibly could and and a lot on the weekend so it yeah I juggled it in I'm, I'm with all with my other hobbies so yeah. Yeah, we made it work out so but I was still in the house too you know not, yeah so I wouldn't be in trouble. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, did your children, did they ever kind of express any interest in working with wood, too? They have not. Unfortunately, I, I mentioned, we talked about this yesterday at home. I wish the, the kids or the grandkids would, would uh, get involved in this and, and have an interest in it. But they're yeah. always too busy having school activities and everything else. So it's uh, not yet. Maybe someday. Yeah, maybe someday. You know, my dad, his hobby, he was a woodworker. He would build furniture and all that stuff and he had a little shop in our backyard and on Friday nights or you know just or Saturday nights he would be in there with the radio and we would just you know he would just give us a little something to tinker with I mean we I, I can't really make anything now but um it was just always fun kind of being in, in yep. there with dad did they ever just kind of hang around in the shop with you while you were working no they never yeah. do they never do they never yeah. do. in fact it now now they have a rule when they come in the house in my shop now they're gonna have to um give me some notification because i'm in in my in my space i'm kind of zoned into what i'm carving on at the time if they come in it kind of startles me and i'm i'm afraid i'm gonna cut my finger or mess up what i'm working on you know so they have to hit yeah. the light switch or something to let me know that somebody's coming in so yeah, yeah. So. i remember you mentioned that that was at the apprenticeship showcase we did um just the intense amount of focus that you have that any kind of interruption just will kind of yeah. take you out one of little it. one little yeah. hiccup on some of those and you just messed up yeah because you know i guess that kind of goes back to what you were saying when you have a crack or when you mess up is the whole piece can you save it if anything like that happens we don't mess up oh. we don't. <laughs> no i have i have messed up some pieces but as long as you're carving on something you can probably always come back and and fix it but try not yeah. to have a crack I, I don't like doing anything that has a crack in it so that's the reason i really focused on getting my wall thicknesses the same all the way through yeah and you should not have you will not have a crack if you if you do that but if you a lot of people are are, are afraid to get into the bottom of a piece because they're scared they're going to go through the bottom or the side of it so that's where you get your cracks from yeah hmm yeah and you know you mentioned um flat woodworking i had never heard that term before until you used it but that's just kind of you know, working with flat boards, That's hammer right. nail, right? Is that kind of the term in like the woodworking community? Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're working with um, making cabinets and dressers or, or anything like that, yeah, that's considered flat work. But if you're doing 
if you're doing wood yeah. turning, it's called turning. So right. there's a difference between turning and flat work. Yeah. Now, do you still do that flat work? No, as I do well? not. Oh, okay. No. Yeah, just focusing on the turning. Yeah. Yeah, and carving. Yeah. Oh, well, that's great. Well, let's transition to teaching because I feel like a lot of what you do is is teach now in addition to making your pieces and let's talk about your experience in the arts commission's apprenticeship program you've done it twice now and you've had two apprentices one dustin barrick and um just last year you completed one with uh, craig killens so why don't you talk us through kind of what the apprenticeship is what y'all did and let's start out first with that first one because that was right in the middle of the pandemic remember it that was. Yes, it that was 2020 was. yeah yep. that's yeah. the one with dustin yes uh -huh. it was it was a great uh, uh dustin was a, was a was a great turner was a good turner to begin with and and he was um very he's young and very energetic and was doing a really good job and he wanted to focus on his shapes on his bowls and uh, so that's what we worked on. So we worked, we made, we turned bowl after bowl and his shapes got better. His, his mechanic, his turning mechanics got better using the proper tool the correct way and, and everything, everything started clicking with him and then uh, now he's producing some beautiful work. So it's uh, it, just having some one-on-one -on -one, sometimes it really makes a big difference. Well, I'm so glad to hear that, you know, Dustin is continuing to make work and, yeah, to get better. That's really awesome. That's kind of one of our goals of the apprenticeship program, that's right. so that's good news. But what I want to ask, too, is, so a lot of your teaching, you would do demonstrations, you would do classes, right? Was this the first time that you ever did kind of like more of a one-on-one -on -one intensive over a period of months, like working with another turner? Yes, uh, doing that apprenticeship but it was, uh, was really my first one-on-one -on -one for that period of time. I've done some one-on-ones uh, just one day or half a day at a time with some of our club members, but uh, yeah, that was the longest one that I, that I worked with. And then, and then we followed up the next year or two years later with Craig and we did the same thing then. But uh, yeah, so those are great. Those yeah. are great opportunities for all of us to, to uh, participate in. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I love working with the apprenticeship grantees as well, and y'all all really bring something special to the table. So I remember you telling me that, you know, you kind of had gone through this first apprenticeship with Dustin. You learned kind of how to do an apprenticeship. I don't know. You just said that it took you that first time to really kind of learn how to do it in order for you to, like, you know, really kind of do the second one well, too. It, it did. It, I, I learned a lot about teaching. Yeah. Just by doing this, when you're working one on one, you, I, t I take so much for granted what the, the basic steps that I do. I take it for granted, and I, and I and it it taught me to be able to stop and back up and share that with them instead of just taking for granted they already know those particular steps. So it uh, yeah, I, I learned a lot from myself i learned a lot from the very first one and i continue to learn after i did the second one it's still it's still an ongoing thing so yeah. it's really helping me teach someone else from ground zero up to uh to to turn yeah and have you taken any of that into the other kind of types of teaching that you do with the demonstrations absolutely classes? absolutely yeah. i use every one of those steps because it's made me realize that i need to start from the very beginning and usually my classes that i take is on uh, that, I, that i'm giving is our teaching is, is in on carving um so i do the same thing i have to stop and realize these people have never had a carver in their hand, so I have to start from ground zero. So all of that was 
was I learned from the, the two apprenticeship programs, so it, it worked out great. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I am your host, Maria Zrang, and we're here with Wood Turner, Sammy Long. Uh, we were just talking about Sammy's involvement in Mac's apprenticeship program, and I just want to take a quick second to talk about what that is. Um, this is a grant that we give traditional artists in the state to work one-on-one with an up-and-coming artist. So a master woodturner, in the woodturning community, you're considered, you know, an expert, someone who is, you know, a veteran in, in the community who really knows their stuff. So we we would work with artists like that. They would apply for a grant, and they would work with an up-and-comer, someone who's probably about an intermediate skill level. They have a good foundation, but they want to kind of take it to the next level, um, and that's what Sammy did. So I wanted to just give some context to that before we move on. So, yeah, Sammy, you also teach at John C. Campbell and Arrowmont, right? That's correct. Those, can you talk about what those programs are? Because I think that would be of interest to our listeners and kind of what kind of things you teach there. Okay, uh, John C. Campbell is a folk art school. In fact, it's called John C. Campbell Folk Art School, or School for Arts. Uh, it is in uh, Brasstown, North Carolina, and uh, it is a five-day class. They have weekend classes as well, but most of the classes, that, all the classes that I teach are, are five-day class. They begin on Sunday afternoon. They finish Friday afternoon. Um, it's a wonderful place to be. They have they have different classes year round. It's, it's a year round school. They have a different uh, different several different classes going on in, during the course of the week. Um, so they they feed you, put you they put you up, and then you start your class at nine in the morning. And you stop for dinner, and you come back after the dinner and work till ten eleven o'clock at night. So it's um, you get a lot of knowledge in a short period a short period of time. Yeah, it is kind of like summer camp, like you were saying. Exactly. You know, it sounds like fun, you know, if you're really interested in craft. Aramont is the same, right? It's kind Aramont's of the same. Aramont's the same, pretty much the same thing. It's yeah. in Aramont is in uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Uh, it's the same, pretty much the same setup. It begins on late Sunday afternoon and finishes Friday, and um, pretty much the same setup. Yeah. Well, you started out as a student there, right? Yes. And so how long was that until you transitioned into a teacher? Tell us how that kind of that process worked. Well, uh, I mentioned Dixie Biggs earlier, um, uh, taking her class, and then the next year we had Dixie Biggs come to our club and demonstrate for us over the weekend, and then she did a hands-on, which is a, just a one-on-one for six or seven people uh, in our club, and. Um, at that time, she asked me would I be willing to assist her teaching a class at John C. Campbell. Mm-hmm. So that was my first time to ever go to John C. Campbell, and I was assisting the teacher that taught me how to carve. So I was just early into the carving stage at that time. And uh, after that, they asked me, they had already been the school, saw what I was working on, so they asked me would I be interested in coming to teach there so I jumped on the uh, I jumped on it really quick like and I've been there I think three times now I'm going back again in May so wow that's so cool I just think that's really fascinating you know to start out as a student and then to become the teacher you know that just made a full circle yeah full circle also speaks I think to your reputation in the turning community and and your skill level as an artist so 
All right, if you're just joining us, we're here with Sammy Long. I'm Maria Zerang, and this is the Mississippi Arts Hour. So, Sammy, you had mentioned that you had two mentors in the early days of wood turning, Webb Stribling and Charlie White. Do you want to kind of talk about why they were mentors for you and who they were? Sure. When I first started turning, when I, when I joined the club that was uh, meeting in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, uh, both of those two, Charlie and Webb, were both in, lived in the Jackson area, and I was at the time living in Greenville. So um, when I would not come to the club meeting or after a club meeting, if I had any questions, they had always said, feel free to call, because they were the veteran turners at the time. Uh, they've been turning 25, 30 years, and I was just in awe of their work. They were just, just, they, their work was incredible. And I wanted to get there someday. So, and they were willing to answer my questions, so I would call. And, and talk to them, and we would talk all night long, I think, uh, about not only the question that I had, but everything else that involved wood turning that came up. So uh, you know, they were always, always very, very generous with their information. And that's, a, that's another thing about wood turners. We have no secrets. We always share everything that we know. We, we're willing to share, and we don't hide anything. And we just, and they were doing the same thing, just giving us all the information that we could, that we could possibly take. Oh, well, that's great. Yeah, I love I love to hear that, you know, that it's not like, it doesn't seem like a competitive environment. It seems no, it's not. very friendly, you know, you're there because you want to be there and you want to learn the craft. What advice would you have for any kind of new person coming into wood turning, you know, for them to get started or just kind of tips, things to be patient with? First thing, if, if, if somebody is learning to turn or, or starting off turning, I would suggest, highly suggest, joining a club somewhere in your area. <clears throat> I think there's a club in Cleveland. I think there's one in, I know there's one in Jackson. Uh, there's one down on the coast, uh, in Mississippi, the coast. Uh, so there's, uh, there's three clubs now, I know for sure. So they would be able to, uh, to join a club close by somewhere and, and they were, they're going to learn a tremendous amount by, by working with a wood turning club. Yeah, and it seems like having that one-on-one -on -one or kind of that club in-person atmosphere is really important. Because I remember Craig, your apprentice from 2022, he was saying, like, he was learning a lot on YouTube, and that was kind of difficult, you know, because he, certain things that he learned, he wasn't doing it exactly right, you know. Can you talk a little bit about that, like that importance of the one-on-one -on -one or in-person work? Sure, the, the importance of the one-on-one -on -one is very important because like anything else that you do, if you're just working with your, you and your, your instructor at the time, you're going to get all the attention. You're going to get uh, numerous little tips. So you put all those little tips in your shirt pocket, and eventually they're all going to come out. You, you, one at a time, you, you get to put them all together. <laughs> This is Larry Morrissey. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show is broadcast on MPB's statewide radio network on Sundays at 5 p.m. For access to all our past shows, please subscribe to the Arts Hour on your favorite podcasting app. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson. President of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org 
or on your smart devices podcasting platform. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Okay, and we're back on the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. Again, I'm your host, Maria Zerang, Folk and Traditional Arts Director at the Mississippi Arts Commission, and today I'm talking with Wood Turner, Sammy Long. So, Sammy, before the break, you had mentioned that when you had first started, there were one or two wood-turning clubs in Mississippi, and now there are three. Have you seen more growth in the community and the amount of wood-turners since you started? I, th- I think the growth has, I think it is growing. Uh, our, I know our membership is probably a little bit better than it has been in the past few years. I'm not really sure about the, the club on the coast or the one in Cleveland, Mississippi, but the one in Cleveland is a fairly new club. Uh, it's, it's, it's younger than our club is. I'm not, I don't, it's not brand new, but it's a smaller club. And so it, that means there's other people that are interested in the north northern part of the state that are just too far to travel to come to Jackson. But, yes, I think it has grown some. Wow, that's really exciting. Are you seeing kind of more students in your classes as well? Yes. Well, the, the classes that I, that I teach are maxed out. I mean, they have a certain amount of people per class and they're they're always maxed out so I think there's a lot of a lot of interest in in turning and carving so it's it's I think it is growing wow why do you think that is do you have any thoughts on that like do you know I think after COVID right now everybody's looking for something to do they're looking for they're looking for a hobby and um and I think wood turning and, and, the, and the carving part of it is one of them so that's good that's great yeah, I mean, just kind of working with your hands, especially during COVID, you right. know, just kind of having something productive and positive to you. Yeah, I could definitely see people turn into something like that. Is that where you see the future of the craft going, kind of growing? What do you see for the future of wood turning? I hope it's growing. We were, as a wood turner, we we're always worried, worried that this would be a dying art. Uh, but right now, it's, it appears to be that it's, uh, it's it's moving along pretty good, and it's not. I don't believe it's going to die anytime soon. I think it's going to be. Uh, I think we, we're going. We have younger turners in our club, which is a very good thing. Uh, most of our turners are like myself; they're old, gray-headed, bald-headed, and but uh, <laughs> we're getting younger, younger, and younger guys in the club. So and gals uh, in the club. So. Um, Oh, that's great. So that's, the, that's a good sign. Yes, it is. Is that kind of different when you started? Like when you started, was it mostly kind of older people turning? Or yeah, yeah, it was. It was a. I think a lot of a lot of older men were trying to look for something after retirement or right before retirement, mm-hmm. and it became a. a it was a older older men's club, but it, but it's getting younger and younger. Yeah. Well, it's always nice, yeah, to see kind of more diversity. Yeah, and women, too. That's great to hear. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, let's talk a little bit about Mississippi for a second. And um, do you think that the types of wood that are available in Mississippi are just, yeah, I mean, the materials that you have access to here, does that impact your work? You know, do you think it would be different in another state if you were turning somewhere else? Uh, I think Mississippi has probably fewer hardwoods to choose from uh, than a northern state. Or or I know they they have bigger and better trees that we like to work with, like cherry and black walnut. Um, That's something that's uh, from 
uh, other side from middle Tennessee on up north they have huge cherry and black walnut where here it's hard to find any if or in not not very much size to them but uh, uh, for instance uh, Texas you can get all kind of all kinds of mesquite or you know different sizes of mesquite which is a uh, a very sought after wood to work with because it does not warp when it's green it only has like three percent moisture content period so whatever you finish when you start out turning something with mesquite whatever however you finish is how it's going to stay well it's not it's not true with woods here so it's going to move on on us and crack possibly crack on us so Wow, that's fascinating. So it, then it must take a little bit less time then, right? That it you does. It takes away a step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes away a complete step of the drying process. Do you know a lot of turners from Texas? You know, do, do y'all, when you meet turners from other states, do y'all kind of talk shop about you know, the differences sure in your yeah. approach? When I go to a symposium, there's a symposium in, in Texas, in Waco, that I go to every year. And there's also always someone bringing mesquite and they're willing to swap with anything that other people have so yeah it's always a it's always a good thing to see other other people from different states you always get a little bit of their wood and they get a little bit of yours so it's it's always it's always interesting and when you do classes and like demonstrations in other state are you also kind of able to get wood there most of the classes will will provide the Mm -hmm. wood um if they can get it yeah if they can't get it, then I'll provide it myself from what I can get my here from here. Oh, okay, all right. So, but like when you're ever, like when you're in Tennessee or something, do you ever like okay, I'm in Tennessee, I want to get this type of wood since I'm here. Do you ever do things like that? Sometimes we contact other other club members or other turners from different states, and we will yeah we'll do a swap. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and you lived in Kentucky for a few years too. Were you a Turner then? I was. Okay, yes, and how was, was that different? Was that different too? Being was, a Turner, it was in different for me because that again, they're one of those states that had the large amounts of cherry and black walnut mm-hmm. and maple, which we don't have very much maple at all here. Um, real quick, like I want to tell you, there was a, a man down the road for me that was a an arborist, and I he had several maple trees and I wanted to uh, get some of this wood so uh, he didn't know what I did so I told him I was a turner Uh, he said I'll get you some of that so that three days later there was a dump truck in my backyard when I got home from work and he was dumping an entire load of of a maple tree in, in my backyard so wow you had to be careful what you ask for because you may get yeah a truck load a dump truck load of it well, how many projects were you able to do from that? Several. Yeah. And I gave a lot of that. I took gave that to other, yeah, to my yeah. club at, in Kentucky, and we mm-hmm. shared that. So it was just way too much wood for me to use. Oh, yeah. Time. Yeah, yeah. It would rot before I could use all of that. Oh, yeah. It just seems, yeah, time is so important to the work yeah. that you do. Just That's something that I'm learning in this interview. Yeah. Um, really fascinating. Wood just as a material, you know, it just seems like, you know, I took some weaving classes at the Craftsman's Guild and just kind of learning about, you know, fibers. That's just, there's such a wealth of knowledge there. It seems like with wood too, like not only do you have to learn the techniques, but you have to learn so much about wood itself and what it does. And it's kind of like this living, breathing thing, you know? That's right. Yeah. It is. 
Yeah, that's fascinating. Well, you know, since we're kind of wrapping up towards the end of our time here, uh, there's a question that I always like to ask artists. Um, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you would like to talk about? Just kind of a freebie. If you want to remember, you had mentioned a little bit of talking about form, and you know, that's something exciting to you. Uh, yeah, form is form is very important to me uh, in, in whatever you're working with. If you're going to make a bowl, or if you're going to make a candlestick, or if you're going to do a vase, form is very important. And I want to be able to, whatever I have turned, I would like to to be uh, across the room. And when you look at it across the room, the form stands out. Not necessarily the carving or the texture or the painting, but the form itself stands out so form is very important in fact i'm going to a class next month in aramont in gatlinburg on taking a class on form uh, so i will learn more about the forms and um, learning how to look at it with your eye to tell what what needs to be removed or what you need to do with the wood to get that form just right so Hmm. So it looks like it seems like there's a lot of techniques from sculpture that you have to kind of learn in turning yeah, as well, absolutely. right? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Ah, that's fascinating. So this class is going to help train your eye how to look for a good form. Hmm. And so we try to create that form by just taking just one more cut. Now sometimes that's all it needs. Just one more cut is going to change the entire shape of it. So. Wow, yeah. And you've been turning for years and I've taught so many classes and there's still probably so much that you want to learn. Always, yeah. always trying to learn something. Well, you know, on that note, uh, something that I wanted to ask you was, is there anything that you haven't made yet that you really want to make or a goal of yours, uh, some kind of form or piece that you want to make? We always, we're always looking for, for something else to, uh, uh, another another range, another step, somewhere out of the box, thinking out of the box from different from what we do, we're doing now. Uh, yes, I am, I am, look, I have some ideas, I have some pencils, some penciled in ideas of, you wouldn't tell what I was going for if you looked at that drawing, but, but I can get an idea for, from it, so uh, yeah, which we're always, we're always trying to get a, something a little bit different. Do you want to share, if you can, or is there anything that you'd like to share, of, like a specific example of any of those things you've drawn out uh, that you'd like to make? So, some of those I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to come up with some different shapes uh, that would look pleasing to the eye. Um, and maybe a different style of carving on it instead of just carving a leaf. I'm just trying to get into it still carving on them but uh, trying to do a little bit a little bit something a little different and uh, this class that I'm taking next month also is going to be using a we're also going to be he's going to be teaching a texturing and a dry brush technique so I'm going to learn a little bit more about that other than just form so yeah yeah so this is going to be just perfect for what I'm trying to do okay so kind of really playing with the shape of you know what is a vase or what is a bowl is that what you mean kind of yeah, the, yeah. A, a bowl would be something that, uh, that that's a, has a large opening. Mm -hmm. uh, once the opening becomes small, it's considered a, in the wood turning world, it's considered a hollow form. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. It's a form and it's hollow, so it's just a uh, it's a different shape than the bowl itself. So yeah, yeah. it's a it's a, in our in our lingo, it's a hollow form, which is a vase, mm-hmm. vase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so when you start out, do you often start out with a pencil and paper and kind of get that form? Not or shape? always. Yeah. No. Uh, but some of the things, some of the other other things, if I come up with a technique or if I think of something that I want to do, I might try to pencil it in. Just part of it, so I get to, to get an idea, an idea of what I want to do, and, and not lose that. Because mm-hmm. if it, if I if I keep it in my head, it won't. Sometimes it doesn't stay there all the time. So, <laughs> so I have to do some penciling in on page on paper to get it, so I can look at it. Yeah. Well, on that note, we're almost out of time. I wish we had more time to talk about wood turning because it's fascinating. But um, where can people find you? Do you have a website, a Facebook page, or talk a little bit more about Magnolia Wood Turners Club? When do y'all meet if people are interested in uh, learning how to turn? Okay. Uh, the Magnolia Wood Turners meets on the third Saturday of every month except for December. We take the month of December off because it's too close to Christmas. Uh, we meet on the third Saturday of every month at the um, Mississippi Agricultural Center. And the meeting starts at 9.30. We usually get there at 9 o'clock and have donuts and coffee and share stories about wood or show up, you know. So we always have a show and tell, so everybody brings what they have been working on. And then we'll have a demonstration. And um, if it's long enough, we'll come back after lunch and continue the demonstration, and that'll be the end of the day. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And um, that's in Jackson, right? Just that's in Jackson, in, yes. That's the the Ag, Ag Center, Center in, in Jackson. Jackson. Yep. Okay. And then your website is? My website is really hard to remember. It's, uh, <laughs> it's sammylong.com. <laughs> <laughs> sammylong.com. S-A-M-M-Y long.com. Okay, that's yeah. It. Check it out. Go to his website. Check out the your portfolio of work. It's just amazing. Anything else that you have coming up? Do you have any other classes, anything else that you want to share with our listeners? Um, I'm teaching a class in May at John C. Campbell on carving. Um, I'm doing some club demonstrations. I'm going to North Carolina Club uh, sometimes next year for a two-day class. I'm going to uh, Fort Worth, Texas for a uh, six-day class in April. So I have a few classes that I'm teaching. and. Wow, well, you're pretty busy. Yeah, it's keep me busy. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, Sammy. I really enjoyed our talk. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour, a co-production of MPB Think Radio and the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm Maria Zarang, and it's been a pleasure to talk with you this hour. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners, so if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, an associate professor of preventive medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app.